The Central Epidemic Command Center announced one more death from COVID-19 as well as one imported case on Sunday. Patient number 889 was part of the cluster infection in Taoyuan General Hospital and had a history of chronic illness before contracting COVID. Let's get the details from the CECC. This new case of death was patient number 889, a Taiwanese man in his 60s. His condition deteriorated after being admitted to the hospital. He was put on a respirator and ECMO. On February 22nd, he came out of quarantine after his test results came out negative. However, he remained in the hospital for treatment of other diseases. On April 8th, he began experiencing shortness of breath, low blood pressure, and arrhythmia. He was sent to the ICU the following day, but unfortunately passed away due to pneumonia complicated by septic shock. Taiwan's total number of confirmed cases now stands at 1,057 with 11 deaths. 24 patients are currently being treated in isolation wards. So far, 24,000 people have been vaccinated with the first batch of the AstraZeneca vaccines Taiwan has received. The second batch that was purchased from COVAX will expire at the end of May. Now, Taiwan has a total of 316,000 doses of vaccines that must be administered within two months and many are worried that the vaccines won't be used up in time. Dr. Li Bingying of the Ministry of Health said that if there are still many leftover doses from the government's free vaccination program, self-paid vaccination would likely be made more widely available. To date, Taiwan has received two batches of vaccines, totaling 316,000 doses. However, the second batch of 199,200 doses purchased from COVAX has a closer expiration date than the first batch. With the second batch expiring on May 31st, many are worried that the vaccines may not be used up before that date. If we allow too many doses to be available for self-paying recipients, it might affect those eligible for a free jab, so we must take the time to make sure this will not happen. Since this vaccine has a short shelf life, if there are enough leftover doses from the vaccination program, then of course we can consider allocating more doses for self-paying recipients. With the public's reluctance to get vaccinated, some have suggested bending the expiration dates of the two batches, which are labeled as end of May and mid-June respectively. Experts, however, are concerned about the safety risks of using the vaccines beyond their expiration date. Even if the vaccines do not spoil, as long as the vaccine manufacturers did not, when determining the expiration dates, conduct stability tests, then it is likely that the doses will expire at the date labeled and so must be disposed of. The vaccination program will be expanded on Monday to include those that belong to the second and third categories on the priority list. The second category includes epidemic prevention workers in central and local governments. The third, people with a higher risk of exposure due to their occupations, such as city and county mayors, flight crew members, sailors, and drivers of epidemic prevention taxis. The two categories include a total of 125,000 individuals.
Well, the weather today was mostly fair around the island as the northeast monsoon weakened. The balmy weather will last through Tuesday before the arrival of another front, according to the Central Weather Bureau. Meanwhile, a tropical disturbance south of Guam is expected to form a low-pressure area and become the year's second typhoon around next Sunday. But whether it will alleviate Taiwan's current drought is still too early to say. With the weakening of northeast monsoon, the entire island has fair weather on Sunday, with temperatures reaching close to 30 degrees. However, after nightfall on Tuesday, wet and cool weather will once again return to northern Taiwan, sending the mercury down to as low as 16 degrees. The next change in the weather will start from the evening of Tuesday to Wednesday. During this period, a weather front will pass to the north of the island and the northeast monsoon will strengthen. The northern and eastern regions, as well as the mountainous areas in the central and southern regions, will likely see rain. Many are also speculating whether the low-pressure area over the waters south of Guam will become the second typhoon of the year. Regarding this low-pressure system, our forecasting model still can't determine its development or even its strength or path. From what we can see from the current data, we may have to wait until the middle or the end of the week, in other words, after Wednesday or Thursday, for the system to be more fully developed. The CWB says that the system's development remains uncertain and that it's still too early to expect that it will relieve the current drought. With the ongoing drought, several counties and cities have been rationing their water. Taichung has entered week two of a rationing scheme of cutting water two days a week. And this will continue until at least the end of May. If no rain arrives in the coming weeks, a more stringent three-day-a-week cut will likely be implemented. Already feeling the pressure, restaurant owners say a three-day water cut would mean closing down their businesses. A lot of water is used in restaurants. You need it to wash vegetables as well as to cook a bowl of noodles. Water is essential to the food industry. Without it, business would come to a halt. The Greater Taichung area has entered week two of water rationing. Water is cut off two days out of seven. To keep their businesses running, restaurants are storing up water. However, the small water tower most businesses use have proven to be inadequate. I think most of the complaints come from small eateries. If their water supply is cut, they will be greatly affected. While they may have their own water towers, they usually use up the water in less than a day. A small water tower normally supplies a day's worth of water. Cut the water supply two days a week means the stored water is stretched to the limit, and the current rationing scheme of cutting water two days a week will continue to be implemented until the end of May. There are even rumors that a more stringent three-days-a-week cut may be introduced down the road, causing many restaurant owners to worry about their livelihood. For restaurants, when there is no water supply, we will not be able to operate, and that will make life difficult. Should the rationing get to the more stringent three-days-a-week cut, the impact would be hard to imagine. Will that day ever arrive? The Ministry of Economic Affairs is still mulling over the rationing scheme. Rainfall will certainly play a big role in that decision. Jiayi City Government has launched a project that deals with Taiwanese language menus. Starting with a number of popular restaurants in the city, 
They want to encourage all local eateries to include Taiwanese on their menus. Jai Ma Huang Minghui takes part in a lively theatrical performance. Her administration wants Jai to be the first city with Taiwanese in all its menus. We've always been promoting the use of local languages and culture. So when you come here, you should speak Taiwanese to get the authentic spirit of Jai. We want them to know what's special about our culture. We're all working hard together. A big-name business at the foot of Ali Shan has led the way, incorporating Taiwanese on all its menus, even for Western-style burger stores. A famous local cake shop and a cold noodle store have also joined the project to give Taiwanese speakers more places to use the language. Make sure you look out for the Jai Taiwanese snacks menu next time you visit the city, a highlight for lovers of traditional Taiwanese culture. An Elan farmer has combined smart tech and bumblebees to maximize the productivity of his tomato farm. Originally an engineer, Lai Zhisheng turned to farming five years ago. At his pick-your-own greenhouse, visitors can view his automated growing systems and say hello to the bumblebees that pollinate the plants. A farm visitor snips his own ripe tomatoes off the vine. This year we have a lot bigger harvest than last year, probably twice as much. Lai is a former engineer. Five years ago, he decided to give up his $1 million a year salary to go back to his childhood home in Ilan and start a smart farm. Despite his family's protestations, he spent $12 million on a temperature-controlled greenhouse system for his cherry tomatoes with automated irrigation and fertilization. Until 2020, he pollinated his plants manually or with the help of normal honeybees. This year, he brought in bumblebees, which are recognized as the best pollinators for greenhouses. It seems to me that the harvesting rate with bumblebees, almost every single flower bears fruit. Partly, it was because I couldn't find workers, and partly because I wanted to cut costs, so I started to let visitors come and pick their own. Lai says it's hard to find workers with the skills and experience to harvest tomatoes, but allowing visitors to pick their own is a win-win. The final harvest is the result of the hard work of farmers, visitors and bees all together. More than 40 years ago, a musician named Li Wunan introduced Taiwan to the harp, importing the very first harp the country had ever seen. He made it his life's mission to make the instrument popular throughout the country. Today, his son, Li Zheying, has taken it upon himself to carry on his mission. His efforts have taken him to some of the most far-flung parts of the island. So far, he has made over 200 visits to remote communities with his harp, and he's got no plans to stop anytime soon. We join him on the journey in our Sunday special report. After finishing the day's classes, these children gather in a circle, holding hands as they ride unicycles. This elementary school in Nanto County's Zhongliao Township was rebuilt following the 1999 Gigi earthquake. At only 4,000 square meters, this small school is attended by 30 students. 
This Tuesday afternoon at the start of fall started out like any other, but today, one man has brought the children a special surprise. Hello, Nimanhao. Upon seeing the huge harp, the children's eyes light up. As the man on stage speaks to them, he throws in jokes here and there to get the whole room laughing. Even as he teaches them the history of the harp, he doesn't miss the opportunity to sprinkle in some humor. This high-spirited man named Li Zheying is a harp teacher as well as an unconventional musician. Do I throw myself fully into what I do? If I want to leave children with an impression of this instrument, and if I want them to be willing to listen to me speak, I have to find a way to get close to them. I have to make them happy and make them laugh. This is the nature of children. You have to play with them. Li Zheying started off in 2014, traveling to schools and remote communities all over. This is his 219th performance. Aside from Li's popularity with children, what people know best about him is that he was born into a family of musicians. Li Zhe is a classical musician and the music director for One Song Orchestra. Their father, Li Wunan, is a well-known harpist known affectionately as the Harp Godfather. More than 40 years ago, Li Wunan introduced Taiwan to the harp, bringing the first harp into the country from Japan. My father felt that the sound of the harp was brought to the earth from the heavens by angels, and that it was the most wonderful form of music. In his heart, he felt that such a beautiful instrument must be brought to Taiwan. So 40 years ago, he spent close to 200,000 NT to buy a Japanese-made harp. 40 years ago, with 200 NT, you could buy a townhouse. In the 1970s, Li Wunan not only spent a large sum of money to buy a harp, he also researched the production of harps and built a factory. However, his son Li Zheying was less devoted. Despite starting his study of the harp at the age of five, when he practiced together with his father and brother, Li Zheying was quite a bit less interested in music. After I graduated from elementary school, I temporarily halted my study of the harp. When it came to enter university, Li Zheying didn't follow in his brother's footsteps and go on a path of music study. Instead, he pursued a degree in information management. After graduation, he took a job in Kaohsiung as a computer engineer, but his stable life as an office worker took a turn one day in 1997 when he received a phone call from his brother that would change his life. He called me and said, Jain, are you free on February 14th? He said he had been performing regularly at a restaurant and he picked up an offer to perform elsewhere on February 14th but couldn't find anyone to cover for him. He said, Jain, why don't you come cover for me? It's only two hours. Little did Li Jain know that covering for his brother that one time would ignite within him a passion for music that he lacked as a child. After being separated from the heart for many years, he raised his hands to pluck its strings once again, practicing before his restaurant performance. Since then, Li Zheying has played at the National Concert Hall. But to enjoy his performances, you don't need to visit a music hall. At this 
dental clinic from outside of the operatory, the elegant sound of the heart fills the air, forming a stark contrast to the sound of the dental drill. The first time we heard him perform was at a restaurant. Since we have some patients who really enjoy music, we decided to ask him, could you come perform at our clinic? After hearing Li Zhiying perform, many of the clinic's patients become fans of his and start scheduling their appointments around times he is performing. What leaves some people bewildered is why, despite his regular performance schedule, he makes the long trek to perform in remote communities. Li Zhiying says his reason for visiting remote communities is to fulfill a dream of his father. My father had a big dream. He wished that he could walk in the park or along a river or anywhere at all and see someone holding a harp, just sitting there playing it. Of course, this is just some kind of idyllic fantasy, but it also represents my father's wish to see this instrument popularized throughout every corner of Taiwan. Li Wunan never was able to put a harp in every park during his lifetime. In 2014, at the age of 70, he became seriously ill and was in a coma for a week. After waking from the coma, he felt weak. But when his sons asked him to close the workshop, he refused to give up. He expressed hope for his sons to continue his work. My father's friend even scolded us about it once. He said, down in that alley, there's a son of an oyster noodle stall owner. Even he knows to come back to take over his dad's stall. But you and your brother don't demonstrate filial piety like that. We were so badly scolded, we were less speechless. But that just wasn't the life we wanted. Maybe we were unable to help my father by selling his harps to every Taiwanese, but at least I can bring the sound of the harp to every corner of Taiwan, especially to small schools and rural communities. To carry on the dream of popularizing the harp, he could have gone to big cities where there are more people, but he chose to start in remote communities. The harp is somewhat ignored as an instrument, and it is relatively hard for beginners to learn. There are also very few people worldwide who learn to play it. At the time, I was thinking about it from a different angle. I thought, if we went to schools in remote communities and visited kids who would likely never see this instrument in their entire lives, would bringing the harp to show them leave a deeper impression? Actually, I wanted to plant in their hearts a small musical seed. Lee's pledge to visit 100 remote schools started with a message on Facebook in which he invited school teachers to apply. He never imagined such a massive response. A note taped next to the door of his apartment is filled with details of planned school visits. With a 40-kilogram harp in tow, Lee Zheying goes from one remote community to the next. On one trip, as he was headed for Kaohsiung, he succumbed to his exhaustion. It was sometime around my 10th trip. I was going to a school in Kaohsiung's Namashia Township. It was a nearly 500-kilometer trip. I remember I was driving in the middle of the road, and I could hardly keep my eyes open. I was on the road on a highway interchange. I couldn't handle it. I just pulled over and lay down. Li Zheying once contemplated giving up on his visits to remote schools, but when he thought about the children's reaction to hearing the harp, a smile came to his face. This thought, combined with his spirit of perseverance, convinced Li to push on. Three years later, he finally reached his hundredth visit to a remote community. Kaohsiung, 
One school in Kaohsiung's Dasha district called Jiacheng Elementary School was where I made my 100th remote community performance, which was a gift to my father. That day, my father and my mother also went to the school, of course. They sat before the stage, but to be honest, my father had no reaction. Li Zhiling had thought that by visiting remote communities, he could carry on his father's dream. He never imagined that his efforts might fall flat. His father's unmoved reaction left him feeling dispirited. That was, until he heard his father's response when he was asked about it. Some of those schools are very hard to get to, and he was carrying two harps with him. Such drive is really quite amazing. My dad looked at the camera and said he admired me for doing this. I could finally let go of the large rock in my heart. I felt that having not helped him by taking over the factory was a great source of guilt. But after I knew that my father approved of me doing this, I knew what I was doing was right. For Li Zheng, his father's encouragement gave him the motivation to continue on after his 100th remote community visit. He says he also hopes that through his efforts, the remote schools he visits can also gain some recognition. Aside from that, he hopes to help his father realize his dream of bringing the harp to every corner of Taiwan.